there's so many people that say, how do you get the motivation or where does that come from or how do you start? I think setting a regular time aside every single day, whether that is to exercise or dedicate to yourself is really important because when we start to dedicate the same time every single day, it creates a routine or a habit and the motivation is no longer required as much. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share honest and inspiring conversations so you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebulagin. Sophie Guidolin calls herself a wellness advocate. She spreads the word on healthy living through her fitness app, The Bod, and her mindset brand, Flourished and Fulfilled. She's also the author of nine published recipe books and has a pretty impressive CV as an International Federation of Bodybuilding Pro Bikini Competitor, my God, that's a mouthful, who has won national comps and ranked top three in the world in the Arnold Classic back in 2014 and 2016. But there was a time when Sophie was living the opposite of what she'd now call her healthy life. She was a single mom of two boys and her health had gotten to the point where her doctor told her she needed to make a change and she needed to do it quickly. Here she talks about her journey from growing up in a family that didn't encourage exercise to then winning national comps and then having to unlearn some of the unhealthiest diet advice which she was taught during bodybuilding and how she manifested the life she has now, where she's sharing all she's learned about fitness, nutrition, and mindset with people around the world. I think that when people come across your Instagram, they have a look at your photos and think you have been fit all your entire life. And reading about your story, that wasn't always the case when making those good nutrition choices and exercising was a priority for you. Can you talk us through that time of your life? I think as well for me and my perspective is that sometimes I actually forget where I started as well. And because I have been in the health and fitness industry now for 14 years, it's, mm. it's hard to go back and actually put myself in the shoes where I first started. And when I did first start out, I was working two jobs. I was a single mom of two boys. And in order for me to even change my lifestyle and be able to fit in exercise, it was very hard. I didn't have any yeah. family close by and my ex-husband was in the military. So it meant that I I was not only a single mum, but I was 100% sole provider for my children as well, working two jobs. So in order to make that a priority to me, I woke up an hour earlier each morning and where I was based in Adelaide, it was freezing cold. I still remember those 5am starts where there was frost on my windscreen and pushing myself to be able to move and struggling to be able to afford certain types of food. Because even back then, 14 years ago, foods that I thought were really healthy were really hard to find and incredibly expensive to be able Mm. to get. And so we're really blessed with how far we've come, not only as a whole within the health and fitness industry, but in Australia of being able to have foods that are typically or traditionally more healthy, readily available to us. So I definitely understand where mums are coming from when it, when they look at my lifestyle now and think, oh, that's easy. You've got it easy for yourself because you can motivate yourself to be able to get out of bed earlier or you can train from here or however that looks, but it was definitely not always the case. No, and I think you bring up something really important that sometimes factors in your life can really create a barrier to being healthy. And like you said, you're a single mum 
working two jobs, two boys, when you have to get food on the table, earn money, look after your kids, your own health and fitness isn't the first thing that you're thinking of. No, it's funny as well. As I've kind of progressed within myself and grown up a bit and and learned so much more within the health and fitness industry, I've kind of turned more towards mindset. And I think that that's Mm. the biggest factor when it comes to play here is that it's very easy for us to think we're doing the right thing by our children when we put them first. But in actual fact, when we learn to put ourselves first, we're a better mum, we're a better provider, we're a better employee, we're a better boss. We function at a, a better level when we learn to actually put our needs first to be able to give to those around us. And what I was finding within the, the health and fitness space is that I was able to tell and help and teach women what to eat and how to train and correct form. And I could literally make women food, do a meal plan, train them every day. But if there was a mindset block or a self-sabotage hack in their brain where they didn't feel worthy or didn't believe they deserved it or felt a sense of mum guilt, they would definitely self-sabotage and always fall back into old habits that weren't actually serving them. So I think in relation to that, whole feeling or situation where perhaps we look at life situations and circumstances and think, poor me, uh, there's no way I could do it. It's about readjusting and resetting our mind frame to be able to actually know that when we do give back to ourselves, we're the best version of ourselves for everybody else around us also. How did that click for you all those years ago? I think for me, being able to originally find my path in the health and fitness industry, it came from a negative motivation or an away from driver based on the fact when I was pregnant with my boys, I had gestational diabetes. I had put Mm. on a lot of weight and I was actually told by the doctors that I needed to clean up my nutrition and also start exercise. And it was the first time in my life that anybody had actually said that to me just purely based on the fact that I grew up in a very religious culture and team sports were frowned upon and we moved our bodies essentially for strength and function and not really for personal enjoyment or anything like that. So for me, having the doctors actually sit down with me and say, look, you you have to get healthy for the sake of your pregnancy and for the sake of your children, like it, it really was that mindset shift of being like, oh, wow, okay. And then when I did start to train and go to the gym and work out, I realized how much better my body felt. And then from that moment on, it became almost like this endorphin rush of loving the feeling of training and knowing how good my body was designed to feel. It was mind blowing that I hadn't done it before. And I think there's so many people that say, how do you get the motivation or where does that come from? Or how do you start? I think setting a regular time aside every single day, whether that is to exercise or dedicate to yourself is really important because when we start to dedicate the same time every single day, it creates a routine or a habit and the motivation is no longer required as much. Yeah, and I've read a lot of literature about how taking away that decision-making process also helps. So you're not suffering from decision fatigue. You're not using that energy to think, hey, should I exercise at this time when I wake up or after work or during my lunch break? You take away all that. That means you can focus your energy, just get out, just get to the gym. Yep. 
and it, and it's true it really is even to the point of um and I know it sounds so trivial but getting your exercise clothing ready the night before and having that set out it literally just makes the biggest difference of being able to get up in the morning chuck it on and walk out the door that is not trivial at all <laughs> it, it makes a big <laughs> difference it makes a massive difference seriously if I haven't um laid out my workout gear the night before when my alarm goes off the next day I'm like uh I I, I couldn't be bothered to get up just knowing that I have to do an extra task yeah 100% and I think as well for me like recently I have lacked motivation probably for the first time in quite a while I had three surgeries in September last year that really set back my health and fitness goals and the ability to be able to work out and train as I had over the past 10 years and so being able to structure my training now and having the accountability of perhaps one of my girlfriends knowing that I'm going to meet them in the morning really encourages me to get out of bed on the mornings that I don't want to So that's another massive one. If you feel comfortable sharing, would you be open to telling us what happened last year in September with all those surgeries? Yeah, for sure. Fine. My doctor found a lump in my right breast, uh, which needed to be removed. And when the doctor was in there, realized that my implant had actually ruptured as well. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. So the first surgery was removing the lump. The second surgery was removing the implants. And then the third surgery was putting the implants back in. And so I think over the space of the the four weeks of having that much anesthetic and that much surgery really shattered my body. And I'm allergic to any adhesives. And for whatever reason, I woke up with adhesives on and broke out in a severe allergic reaction, which then meant 12 weeks on prednisone um, and steroids to be able to fight the reaction that I woke up with. And so for 12 weeks, I wasn't able to even, um, like I had severe blisters and my wounds were open for 12 weeks. I couldn't do any sort of exercise that would make me sweat would result in the blisters reopening. So that was that was huge for me for 12 weeks, not being able to even sweat or move my body when I'm so used to and so conditioned to feeling like when I move, that's when I feel best. And that's how I, I know that I can always retreat back to if I'm having a bad day, I can go to the gym and train or I can walk or run or move my body and I will automatically get rid of that energy. So learning different techniques and being able to do that has been a really big part of that process too. So what were some of those techniques that helped you? Because I feel the same way. For me, movement is as much about mental health as it is about my physical health. And when I had a cesarean last year, I could hardly walk for, I think it was about six weeks and couldn't move, couldn't do any of the exercise that I was used to doing. And I found that, again, like you were saying, I just needed to find other ways of, you know, releasing that energy. It was difficult to do. 100%. And I had a C-section with the twins as well. So I I understand how you feel when when you talk about having a Caesar. And that was so hard as well. Like women are so incredible. Having our bodies cut open and birthing life, then looking after a newborn at the same time as caring for a wound and being expected to just get on with life is so insane and crazy. Um, So I think think in, in last year's circumstances for me, I learned to embrace different forms of stress release. So breath work, Vedic meditation, learning to really say no to the things that if I was not spending that half an hour a day on myself with training, 
I would then pile my plate up with things to do for the kids or things for work and actually saying no and being able to still spend that half an hour on myself I think is probably the biggest lesson or take home for me there because I do think that especially as as mums we're so conditioned to think that we have to give to everybody else before ourselves Mm -hmm. and when we do that it builds up this sense of resentment and the thing that gets impacted the most is our mental health which therefore then affects everybody else around us too. Exactly and not even just for mums I think women in general have that uh, have that same challenge as well of putting other people's needs before our own. Yeah 100%. Now you mentioned earlier about having to set your alarm at 5am all those years ago and just get into the habit of training. What was it like, say those first few times? Because I think a lot of people are listening thinking, okay, that's great. I've tried it before. I've set an alarm, but it hasn't lasted. I was wondering if you could take us through basically how long it took to get into that habit and what you would tell yourself to make sure that you were committing to committing to looking after yourself. Yeah, 100%. So even um, having my twins, so my girls now are six. And so in order for me to be able to care for newborn twins, it, it was quite hard for my husband and I because both of us had to be hands-on and both of us ran a gym and both of us worked. And so mm. the way and the concept that we did with newborn twins was that when one was fed, the other one was fed. And when one was changed, the other one was changed. So essentially we both took on the role of caring for one newborn each. And that's the way that we we did it. And so in order for me to ensure that their needs were met, I would get up at 4.30 every single morning. And I actually, the year that I had the twins, went on and competed at the Arnold Classic over in Ohio in America and represented Australia. So still being able to meet the needs of the newborn twins and being able to get up and train, I look back at that and I am just blown away at myself. But in the in the early in the early days of the four thirty alarm, I would think everything under the sun. I would think, is it worth it? Why would I bother? I'll get there yeah. later. But I think the big driver is is that your motivation has to be bigger in your head than what your excuses kind of can be. And I think we can always come up with an excuse or a driver as to why we shouldn't do something that is perhaps uncomfortable. But as long as our underarching or um, overarching, I should say, want or desire for whatever that outcome is, is actually in alignment with ourselves, I think we will always find a way to make it happen. An example could be that perhaps we've been bullied our whole life of our weight and we don't enjoy exercise and we're a bit resentful towards it and we're doing it to please everybody else because that's what we feel we have to do. There's not actually a self-motivator or an internal motivator there. It's an external factor of us feeling like we have to do it because it'll make us liked or accepted or belong in the world to be exactly what somebody else wants us to be or how we need to be perceived or however that is, but it's not actually coming from an internal motivator. So therefore, Mm. when our alarm goes off in the morning, there's no way that we're going to want to get out of bed. So working out why the actual motivation of going to the gym or going and working out is important to you is a really good thing to get into the habit of reiterating and just telling yourself, I'm doing this because I want to feel better. I'm doing this because I want to be healthy for my children. I'm doing this because it makes me feel good. And really remembering that the words we speak and the words we tell ourselves 
matter and also just figuring out what we enjoy doing and how we enjoy moving I think is another big part of that whole motivation because quite often we feel that we look at people on Instagram or social media and the way that they're training is the only way and that Mm -hmm. is something that I'm really big on is that I will never tell somebody that their way of training is wrong or wrong for them or my way is better because I do think that everybody has a different best way of training and the best way of training is what works for them. Somebody may love running, somebody may love Pilates, somebody may love CrossFit, whatever works for you, do that because that's what you're going to stick to. I love that. That reminds me of an article we published recently, just all about how to fall in love with exercise. And it's basically about, you know, just finding that thing that that you enjoy while you're doing it because working out doesn't need to be a pain in the ass or it doesn't need to no. feel like something that you're dragging yourself to do. Like you just no. need to try different things and find that thing. Yeah. And 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 that's a really big, big um, point to make that if if you have tried waking up in the mornings to get to the gym or you have tried waking up in the mornings to go for a run, Perhaps it's not actually the time that you're waking up or perhaps it's not actually exercise as a whole that you're not enjoying, but perhaps just changing that simple movement or finding something else or trialing something else, you may find something that you just fall in love with and it changes the way that you see exercise and perceive that as well. So one of the main motivators for you, you mentioned all those years ago, was making sure that you were healthy for your boys. What are, what's your motivator now? I think my motivator now is knowing that when I exercise regularly, I feel the best and I function the best. And that's across the board within my work, within the way I am within a relationship, the way I am within my mental health. When I can't exercise or I can't work out, that's when I feel like I have really bad anxiety or I can't sleep or I feel like I don't have that creative flair within my work, or I feel like everything is on my nerves, or um, I'm a bit resentful or bitter towards everybody else because I haven't spent any time on me. And so I think my biggest motivator within exercise and working out is definitely my own mental health and my own optimal well-being throughout every area of my life. How long have you been practicing meditation? Because you mentioned that earlier. Funny story, I I went down to my family farm in Adelaide for COVID when it first started about two years ago. And one of my friends was running a men's mental health group and I was doing some marketing work with them. And he actually said to me, oh, look, I'm, I'm in Adelaide at the moment. And I said, oh, I'm in Adelaide at the moment. And turns out we were 100 metres away from each other in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And, yeah, and he's a meditation coach who teaches Vedic meditation. Ah. And he was like, so if this is your perfect time, like if we're stuck in quarantine and COVID, we're not able to go anywhere and this course is a one-week, like, intensive course, you've got your mum here to look after the kids, you may as well dive in head first. And the thought of meditation just scared me because – I had previously tried yoga and the entire time that I was doing yoga, all I could think of was the million things that I needed to do once I had finished and how much else I could be doing instead of moving my body. And so every single time I had tried to be still, my mind would wander in different places to make it busy. Vedic meditation was the first time that I think I learned to actually still my mind, but in a way that didn't feel like I was failing at it. 
and learning how to use the practice of meditation just 10 minutes per day has been so life-changing for me to be able to actually stop and be still in the times especially that I can't work out or exercise or put myself first in different areas. What's the main changes that you've noticed? I think my creativity, being able to be calm and not wind myself up in usual work situations if something's (laughs) stressing me out, being able to just stop and reflect Uh, as well as energy, which I think is surprising because being still would usually cause me to fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) But again, I think it's that almost like what we were talking about earlier about that decision fatigue. When your mind is still, you're not exerting that extra energy so then you can conserve it for other things. Maybe that's why. Yeah, baby meditation is really, really incredible and there's so many facts that I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you as I'm not an expert. When... I have spoken to Genoa in relation to this. He likens it to an eight-hour sleep. Your brain Mm. is as rejuvenated as an eight-hour sleep. So when you come back after a meditation session, you feel like you have so much more energy, but you're actually able to be so much more creative and be able to, I don't know, figure out things a little bit better. How often do you meditate now? It's a daily practice for me. So every day, once per day. So the optimal is twice per day. However, I rarely get to the second, if I'm entirely honest. I believe once per day is like 30% optimal and twice per day is 70%. So it's it is it is definitely more beneficial to to do twice per day. I just for whatever reason, <laughs> as I'm literally like, you you should do this, but I don't. Um, but I, yeah, every 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 morning, I um I definitely have that as part of my daily practice and daily habits. So yeah, it's a big Look, it's a big part of my life. Hitting once per day is still quite the achievement. <laughs> I've been trying to do once a day for so many years, and I get into get into phases where I will for maybe I don't know a month, two months, every day, and then it drops off. So. Hats off to you for having a consistent practice. <laughs> well, so I, I also have like a daily gratitude planner um, with my my business flourish and fulfilled. Mm. And I fill that out every day. And I think a part of that, it actually has on there like medit or it says mindfulness. And mm. so I almost feel like I let myself down if I don't have that on there. And so it's yeah. definitely that accountability factor as well, which for me, I need. Um, to be able to be like, yeah, cool, like I did it this day and I can see that I've done it and, um, yeah, that really encourages me. Your business, Flourish and Fulfilled, was that born out of this experience of getting acquainted with meditation and seeing how that's changed your life? Flourish and Fulfilled was developed three years ago and oh, okay. Flourish and Fulfilled started out as within the health and fitness industry. As I mentioned before, like I was seeing so many women come to me and I could tell them exactly what to eat. I could even cook their meals for them. I could train them every day and they would still self-sabotage. And I'd be like, what what is happening here? Like there has to be more to this because Mm. I'm I'm pretty much serving them on a silver platter and it's still not working. And so I went and I studied NLP, so neuro-linguistic programming, and I did a whole bunch of certifications in relation to core values and then further training in relation to like relationships and the Gottman Institute and things like that. And so after doing my master's of NLP, 
I realized that our mindset is just as important as the physical component of nutrition and training. And so I wanted everybody to know after that. So Flourishing Fulfilled was kind of born from me feeling like I had everything I could possibly have ever asked for, dreamt of and wanted and still not feeling quite fulfilled and Mm. knowing now that it was because I was in misalignment with my deepest core values or um, what my heart actually wanted versus what everybody else wanted me to be or do or that's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Well, it was an amazing realization for me because I feel like for many years I was guided according to what people thought I should do or the next step for myself or my progression or within the health and fitness industry or where people believed my business should go. And as I was doing it, I would reach the next milestone and I, I have 14 published recipe books. And every single time I would release a new recipe book, I would sit there and I'd be like, why doesn't this feel good? Why why mm. am I not so proud of myself? Like, And so now there's nothing that I would do in relation to any business sense unless it was coming from a place of 100% yes from me. And my whole business model and everything has changed since then and Flourish and Fulfilled is by far my passion project and I would do it 10 times over even <laughs> if I wasn't if I wasn't paid and the joy that I get being able to help women not only connect the dots within their health and fitness um, beliefs and journey but also be able to connect the dots for their mindset as well is just huge and so rewarding. And how else has your business changed then? So I have the bold, which is the health and fitness element or arm of my my business. And I still swear by that. And it's still the program that I follow today. But I do believe that integrating Flourish and Fulfilled, which is more the mindset and daily mindful practices as a part of that, encompasses it as a whole. And I think if it wasn't for Flourish and Fulfilled, it would be easy enough to be able to show up at the gym and train and perhaps have a good body. However, I don't think the sense of fulfillment or achievement or pride or fulfillment would be there. And I think that's that's the biggest kicker for me is that we do like manifest magic challenges where essentially at the core of it, it might sound a bit fluffy, but at the core of it, it is getting women to actually spend 10 minutes a day on themselves. However, it's done in a way where they're given tasks and they don't even know that that's the, the framework for it. And by the end of the 10 days, they've spent 10 minutes a day on themselves that they're actually realizing, wow, like I have so much to give back to myself. And there's so many things that I actually need in my life, or there's different areas in which I want to thrive, or it just unlocks this creative domino effect that when we give back to ourselves, we're able to give to others. And it's just so beautiful watching women go through this process. I actually made this Manifest Magic in 10 Days challenge free because thousands of women were coming through it and I was watching the transformations happen before my eyes and I just felt like everybody needed it. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I I often open these up just for free, just for my own fulfillment, my selfish, my selfish um, <laughs> wants of seeing women's lives change. That's so cool. I love that. Um, speaking of your health and fitness part of your business, mm-hmm. can you tell me about your own approach to health and fitness and how it has evolved over the years? So when I first started out, I was kind of just, I, I walked into the competition 
space. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, how did you even end up competing? That's the question I want to know. Cause you said you came from a family where you, you, they didn't even encourage exercise or sports to then competing in all these um, bodybuilding comps. So one of my jobs was managing a modeling agency. Okay. And I actually taught deportment and catwalk uh, as part of my job. And so we ran courses and workshops for women who were looking to get into the modeling industry. And so that was just one element, right? And so mm. I had been going to the gym every morning and one of the trainers in there came up to me and he was like, look, I am really needing some cross promotion at the moment. Would you be willing to compete? And I was like, no way. I have two, <laughs> two, I have two young boys. I in no way, shape or form am interested in that. Um, I, I'm not interested. He goes, look, I will train you for free. I can see that you're new in the gym. I will train you for free and there's no conditions to it. But if at the end you want to compete, then you can compete. So you were still at the very start of your fitness journey yep. at this point too. Okay. Correct. Correct. I had never, <laughs> I, had, I had never trained. I'd never even stepped foot into a gym. I did not know what I was doing in any way, shape or form. However, he knew that I could walk and he knew that my stage presence was good because I essentially was, I, I was teaching catwalk. So he, he knew that I would be confident on stage based on the fact that was my expertise of what I was teaching. And so he trained me for three months. And one day I went into the gym and he said, all right, it's, it's go time. This And it was Thursday. And he said, this Saturday, the comp's on. And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, so you're going to get on stage? And I was like, I'm not ready. And he was like, yeah, you are. You're going to be fine. And I was like, okay, cool. And I jumped on stage in South Australia and I won the South Australian state titles. The next Check day I flew you to- out. <laughs> I, I know, I know, so funny. But I, I went from South Australian state titles to nationals the Sunday, won nationals, came back and did a different federation. And in my first comp season, won six first um, titles. So that's how the process kind of started. And I think the evolution of that, went from me being very healthy and the goal of it being very healthy to having a coach that didn't know what they were doing, were not educated or informed and ended up entirely starving me and giving me a really bad experience, I guess, a couple of years later with competing. And it just turned me off for a little bit. And I just, I, I didn't ever want to do that or put myself through that. And I felt like all these people online were talking about health and fitness and I was getting starved and doing two hours a day of cardio. And I was like, this is not, this is not what I want. No. And then changing back to actually following um, more of the flexible dieting, Lane Norton approach back then of listening to the scientific evidence of what a lot of coaches were going against and rebuilding my metabolism back up and consciously deciding what I wanted to do with competing. And my, my then husband became my coach, which I knew I was in safe hands because he, didn't, he wanted the best for me as well. And so I think mm. that changed my whole um, outlook when it came to competing. And I fell back in love with the whole process of it. And, and then, yeah, when the twins were one, I won the national title so the Australian Arnold Classic and then I went overseas and did Ohio and I've yeah I've since competed seven times for Australia 
So that yeah, huge is so impressive. And yeah, Thank so you. huge. <laughs> um, but yeah, when when we talk about the evolution of my my health, my fitness and training, I think there's there's been so many different things. And I think over the space of fourteen years, I've had to change my training to keep my motivation up and high. But the mm. fundamentals for me always stay the, the same is that weight training is always my priority and always my focus. And I, I usually um, try and stick to a progressive overload block with my weight training. And then I'll add in other days where I'm essentially just doing some functional sessions or a run or just moving my body however feels right for me on that day. But I've gone through bunches of different phases of um, group sessions or CrossFit or um, powerlifting or yeah, just to, just to set myself new goals so that it's always fun and exciting and that I'm always wanting to be there. And I think that's the biggest thing is that the moment or the day that I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to train doing this is the moment that I, I reassess and look at what I'm doing and shift or pivot towards something else. And what about nutrition? What's your approach now? And I find it interesting too, that you mentioned when you're competing and being starved and not given like very healthy advice. It made me think of, I've had friends who competed and on competition day, they were just given um, given vodka to drink because they couldn't eat and they were told that vodka would just help them loosen up, loosen them up on stage and still have them have that, you know, sculpted look. It is so crazy the amount of stories that I have heard of, like we, we talk about health and we talk about the health and fitness industry and then you hear so many stories like that and you're just like how is that connected like exactly um, so I, I have heard horrible stories and I think that that was about five years ago why I really wanted to focus on competition and helping girls in competition to make sure that they never had those experiences and the experiences that I had or have had previously. Um, so I'm really proud of the way that I guess we have prepped people for stage or competitions because it's, it's always been so healthy. So my approach with nutrition changed when I was pregnant with the twins. So they're six now. So yeah, about six, six and a half years ago, I started doing flexible dieting. Flexible dieting is essentially eating the foods that you want as long as they hit the percentages of your daily intake. And because our metabolisms are adaptive organisms, we're actually able to manipulate and change those percentages to be able to increase our calorie intake in a very slow way without gaining body fat. And so an example is at the moment, I'm able to eat over 3000 calories per day and I'm, I'm relatively lean. I, I eat chocolate. I still hit my fiber intake. I eat a majority of whole foods 90% of the time with the occasional ice cream, chocolate, treat, whatever that looks like, um, whatever I'm craving at the time. And I think I have the most healthy, balanced approach to nutrition because I'm not restricting or starving or limiting myself from the foods that I'm able to eat. And I think that's been the biggest shift and change for me. So since I discovered flexible dieting, it, for me, I would never look at anything else. It's just the, the best approach I could possibly um, ever ask for within my life. Um, so I'm very curious about this. How have you managed to still stick to your health goals and your fitness goals while creating this massive business, competing in comps, 
caring for four kids and everything else that life involves, like other than, you know, setting an alarm for when you go work out. Do you have any other tips or processes that helps you automate looking after yourself? I am very routine and structured. I didn't actually realize just how much I crave routine until COVID threw all the spanners in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we have like a family diary and things like that, which are very, very, very structured. The way that I cook and organize the whole family is very, very um, yeah, routine and structured. I think the big thing for me is making sure that for myself, getting up in the morning and before I start work, Whatever that looks like, whether that is going to the gym, whether that is going for a run or whether that's actually doing something in a mindful way, it's for me and it's not putting anybody else above that that thought process. And so making sure that I set aside time for my health and fitness is just so, so, so important. Um, and it's, it's also become such a non-negotiable that the kids are also seeing that and they do that as well. So I, oh, I, I do good. think... Yeah, I do think that setting a t- setting time aside every single day, even if it's not to train every day, because I obviously don't encourage overtraining, but I do think setting time aside every single day for yourself is really important. How often do you train a week? It depends and it varies, but usually about three to four times per week, I will do a gym session. And then additionally to that, I'll either go for like a bike ride with the kids or a run or it, it just depends. Every every week is very different, but yeah, usually three to four times per week in the gym. And do you have any plans um, for competing in the next 12 <laughs> months or so? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I keep toying with the idea, but Over the past, so it's been three years since competitions have actually been on and Mm. the federation um, and category that I compete in has actually become quite big and I'm, I'm quite small. I don't, I don't have a lot of muscle and I think for me to actually jump on stage with the girls that are currently competing, they have a lot more muscle than me. And I think if I was to compete again, it would have to just be something that I wanted to do for myself, not to to do well within the competition, because I, I think I would be very small on stage. <laughs> gotcha. Now, to finish up, I thought we'd have some rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. So first thing that comes to mind, okay? Ready? Yep. Your fave exercise move? Oh, probably a squat. Least fave? <laughs> Deadlift. Oh, really? How come? I don't know. I, um, it should probably be bench press because I actually don't bench press, but I'm I, I'm just not very good at deadlifts. Um, I have lordosis and scoliosis, so I have to uh. work around my limitations. And um, I don't know. <laughs> um, what's your go-to breakfast? Oats. What do you have them with? I usually have – I have a whole um, process. So I have banana protein powder, peanut butter, bananas, and then like crushed nuts. And they are honestly so good. And I've eaten them for about 10 years and I will still eat them for another 10. (laughs) Awesome. What's your go-to dinner? Mm, Probably steak and salad. Mm. How do you cook your steak? So we usually have like eye fillets. And we usually get like a big, uh, like a big um, chunk of it and then sear the outside and then slow cook it in the oven after and then slice it. So it's really moist in the middle, but fr- like, um, but crust- crispy on the outside. Ooh, and I just fancy. had this, 
yeah, I have this love for good salads that are like bulky as well. How do you make a bulky salad? Oh, I add everything you can humanly possibly imagine into it. So sun-dried tomatoes, either sweet potato or pumpkin, nuts, feta, um, yeah, like cucumber, tomato, lettuce, capsicum, <laughs> everything. I, I love salad. <laughs> Oh, nice. Okay. The coolest device, app, or any new thing that's changed your life recently? Um, probably the breathwork meditations on my Flourish and Fulfilled app. I designed the app to be what I wanted and selfishly <laughs> it's worked. Selfishly it's worked. <laughs> so perfect. Um, what would you spend your last $10 on? My kids because they drain me. okay and so finally if you could swap lives with any person for one day who would it be oh it would probably be my eldest son and I would want to see the world through his perspective being 15 I think that's such a interesting age and I would love to be able to I'm always I'm really big on growth And I always want to be the best version that I possibly can. And I think I would probably learn a lot about myself from him. I love that answer. That was very unexpected. Very unexpected. Okay, cool. Unexpected for me too. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time, Sophie. I've really enjoyed the chat. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this chat with Sophie, she has her own podcast called Flourished and Fulfilled, which you should check out. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Lisa Gebelagen. For more from Women's Health, pick up a copy of our magazine or find us on Instagram at Women's Health AUS and visit womenshealth.com.au. Thanks and see you next time.